The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spa, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I'm your host, Maria Retan, and it's great to be with you today. I'm glad you could take some time out to join me on this busy holiday week. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday right here at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. You'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, we are talking about women-owned businesses today, and there's some really exciting new research out from the Center of Women's Business Research. just came out about a month ago, and the, and the report shows that 8 million businesses, or 28% of all businesses, are owned by women, and that these businesses um, maintain 16% of all jobs in the range of industries like business services and personal services, retail, healthcare, communications, and real estate, which is, which is really very exciting. We can see that women-owned business really um, are disseminated across all kinds of different industries. And what's going to happen with this research is that women business leaders are going to be taking it to the Obama administration, the Small Business Administration, and the House and Senate Small Business Committee members to ask for more resources and new programs to support women-owned businesses. Now, what's interesting is that the report also found that only 20% of women-owned businesses actually had employees. So 80% were really solo businesses. These are women that are in it for themselves. They, They are the only employee in the business. So as we look at those numbers, we can see that there's lots of room to grow women-owned businesses, and our expert today is going to be talking more about that. But what, what's also interesting, there was a new study by Kaufman Foundation that found that there's some exciting growth in the world of technology. Now, you heard me talk a little bit about where women-owned businesses are currently, but apparently technology is an emerging industry, that um, women are launching high-technology firms, but they're doing it with less external capital than men. In fact, women-owned businesses launched about 70% of all capital compared to ones owned by men. And as for the sources of capital, according to the Kaufman Foundation, women used more personal equity than men um, who were also, men were actually more likely to rely on outside equity. Now, this is not unusual. We know that oftentimes women uh, do really not 
approach venture capitalists or look for other partnerships to help fund their businesses, and they they try to do it on their own terms, which can be um, really damaging to their long-term financial health. So something to keep in mind. Um, Women-owned businesses do represent 55% of all new startups in the U.S., and we know a lot of people are going into business for themselves these days, especially in light of the economy and a lot of people being out of work, deciding to work for themselves. Well, our first profile today is the Dior Diva. There's about a million of these women in her early 60s. A third of them are grandparents, and a third of them are retired. That means uh, two-thirds of them are still very active and working. And these women do have more disposable income than, say, your average woman. There's a median household income of about $165,000. These women are very confident um, in their financial security. They're happy. They're optimistic. They do a lot of entertaining. They are very interested in the arts and other cultures. And um, that many of them do have, a, have second homes. Um, they do um, shop at Williams-Sonoma, Ethan Allen. Um, they are at uh, specialty retail outlets such as uh, Chico's or Ann Taylor. Um, they like uh, Neiman Marcus as far as department stores goes. And they also love their beauty products like Dove and Estee Lauder. Luxury cars are their cars of choice such as Porsche, Mercedes, Audi, and Lexus. So if you're a marketer, how do you connect with the Dior Diva? who clearly has some money to spend, well, they are online, checking out travel and business sites like MarketWatch, Orbitz, and Travelocity. They're watching network programming like um, Grey's Anatomy and Antique Roadshow. They're watching Turner Classic Movies and the Hallmark Channel, and they're reading magazines like Gourmet, uh, Bon Appetit. They're reading El Decor and Condé Nast Traveler. Well, my expert today, my guest is Genevieve Boss, who is an entrepreneur, the co-founder of Pink Magazine, and the principal of a consultancy called Trade Win Partners. Genevieve does a lot of speaking around female entrepreneurship, and she's going to join me today to talk about that topic. We're going to talk about why we are not as successful as we could be, and the answer may just lay between our two ears. So more from Genevieve Boss when Purse Strings returns in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. First Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. 
Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles. At hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Ecom Experts, Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And welcome back to Purse Strings. Joining me today is Genevieve Boss, entrepreneur, co-founder of Pink Magazine, and principal of Trade Win Partners, a consulting firm, and of course, an in-demand speaker. Genevieve, welcome to the program. Thanks, Maria. I'm really thrilled to have you on the program, not just because you're the co-founder of Pink Magazine, one of my favorite publications, and for those of you out there who have not uh, found Pink, it really provides great information and insight um, in and about women in the marketplace, especially when women entrepreneurs. But I was really excited to have you on because you've successfully built several different businesses yourself and can really speak to this topic of women entrepreneurs from a very, very personal place. Before we get started into more of that, can you talk a little bit about your companies, both past and present? Sure. Uh, let's see. I started a good number of years ago in the technology sector. Uh, I was just fascinated by it, read a lot about it, and started telling people that, you know, if you ever build something, my technology friends, let me know. As a result, I ended up partnering with some really brilliant uh, guys who created a product for the digital printing and publishing space, and we started a, a little company called Infographics. And we built it from, gee, almost zero revenue to $25 million and then bought another $25 $25 million company called Colorbus and sold it. And uh, that was in my 20s. And then uh, the same group, we partnered and we started another company called Zap Media. The idea was sort of really was a, is a service with hardware. Um, the concept was uh, TiVo meets iPod on steroids for the living room. <laughs> an easiest way to think about it. And interestingly, the company still holds a lot of the patents around that space. Um, the challenge with the business, even after raising $130 million, yes, really, was not being able to solve some of the digital right management issues. We thought that would be a lot easier than it was, and it ended up really um, the business model, the core business model was based on being able to fix that. That didn't quite work. So sadly, that was a startup that went awry. Um, Pink really was born out of my passion for the media business. Uh, I had already invested in some media properties before and uh, met my business partner, Cynthia Good, while I was doing a stint as a publisher for sort of like a Cranes of Georgia called Business to Business Magazine and felt very passionate about helping women make a difference because every time I'd go to trade shows or I'd go to these startup industries or I'd go to anything technology and business related, literally I was usually the only woman in the room. And this was very disturbing to me. And then I combine that with the fact that I'm the daughter of a single mom whose uh, dad was really just took all the money out of all the accounts and sort of left the country. And I grew up with 
a group of friends that my mother had that were really uh, trying to make their way in, in corporate America and with all their successes and all their frustrations. And I remember as a little girl, 9, 10, 12 years old, listening to these stories around the dinner table, walking away going, wow, if I can ever do anything for these women to really make a difference, I'm going to do it. And so Pink really hit a chord for me. You know, Freud says you spend the rest of your life fixing your childhood. I guess Pink is a reflection of that. <laughs> and it's well, and you've, you've so clearly we, done when, more when than, than fixed your childhood, concept, I really though. thought, you know, yeah. what we need is fortune meets Oprah because women make the professional personal uh, all day long. You know, you hear so many people saying it's just business. Well, for your average woman, it is. It can be just business, but but really, business is very much a creative expression of who we are as individuals. So it's really a part of our way to uh, make things happen, do good in the world, and uh, make a living for ourselves and our families. And it becomes very personal for us. So uh, Pink really, it, our goal at Pink was to help women realize that you didn't have to be more like a man to succeed. In fact, you really just had to be more of yourself to be outrageously successful and to show other women doing that since that's how women learn so well or through stories. So Pink was really a reflection of that, and that was launched, uh, let's see, just about five years ago now. So, um, And by every measure, it's been a, a terrific success, really focusing in on mainly uh, women entrepreneurs as well as women in the corporate sector. Well, and along the way, I mean, you've clearly had a very successful career thus far, and I know you show no signs of stopping for sure. But, you know, you've had your successes, and and as you said before, you've kind of had things go bust despite raising $130 million, which is an astonishing amount of money. Clearly, you've learned a lot along the way. What would you say were some of the, the biggest learnings that you still live by today and apply? I think the biggest thing that I do that's made a huge difference in my life, and I really wish more women would do it, and, and it's something that men tend to do very well, is creating a personal board of directors to support your career and your life. And it doesn't mean, you know, you're walking up to somebody saying, would you be on my personal board of directors, although you could do that, but really creating a network of people, and anywhere from, I think a good number is, is, is four to eight people who all have incredible expertise in areas where you're just simply not that strong. And, uh, you know, that's the first thing, and I think that's number one. Number two, I would say, is just being okay with the fact that you don't have to know everything. And that was a big eye-opener for me because I was always hiding. You know, do you, talk, you hear the imposter syndrome? Oh, I, yeah. I had that really bad. <laughs> and <laughs> I, was, I was trying to be sort of ultra-competent, and as a result, I think I became incompetent in some areas because I wasn't willing to admit what I didn't know. And I think it's okay to realize that you don't have to know everything. Just never stop learning and do a really strategic job of surrounding yourself with people who, you hear it all the time, that are smarter than you. But that can be a scary thing to do if you're not confident in yourself. But it's just being focused, I think, on being great at something. You don't have to be great at everything and be and have a commitment to constantly learn that's number two and then um i would say number three is keep everything simple you know my favorite resource book is mastering the rockefeller habits by Vern harnish i cannot recommend it enough and one of the things he says in his in his book that i love is 
keep everything stupidly simple. And if your strategies and plans and decisions and systems seem complicated, they're probably wrong. And I think sometimes we make things too complicated for ourselves and we can't get a handle in our arms around it. And it makes it really difficult for both us as leaders and entrepreneurs and, and executives to make good decisions, number one. And number two, it makes it really tough for your team to understand where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. So those are the three big, I'd say, the three big buckets that are really, I, I, I've got the, I come from the school of hard knocks on these, by the way. So <laughs> created these the hard way. But, yeah, you know, so for everybody listening today, you don't have to go through what Genevieve has. Write them down, learn them, know them, right? Um, you know, at the top of the show, I was talking a little bit about um, statistics around female-owned businesses, right. and the numbers are, are pretty amazing. And, um, you know, you and I both know that women do have a really tough time breaking a million with their companies. And, I mean, I would say based on your learnings, I would imagine that you might think some of these apply to why maybe some women don't make it through, but there, there may be more reasons why. What, what do you think the, the, the real issues are? I think it's a, I think it's a number of things. Um, I, if you ask your average female entrepreneur, uh, your average business was created as a lifestyle or as a reaction to not enjoying corporate America. Um, it's not necessarily a strategic move where they say, you know what, I'm going to start a company, I'm going to sell it in five to ten years, and then I'm going to have a wealth creation, a massive wealth creation opportunity for myself and my family. Your typical business owner decides that she wants a lifestyle. She wants more flexibility and so-called control over her life. So I see a lot of women starting businesses that are just lifestyle. They basically work themselves into a job that they own. So that's the one first thing. And the second thing is most women I talk to fall in love with their businesses just like it's one of their children, whether they have children or not. And so it becomes an identity of who they are versus a tool to get them to the next level in life. So anything that comes into play that would make them lose control over that on some level gets to be very uncomfortable. And then combine that with your average woman, not all, but your average business person, um, not having a good handle on numbers also creates the problem. I mean, you go to your average venture event uh, around the country, and what's shockingly disturbing is how few women are in the room. And I can count on two hands the number of women I know who, who have raised over $100 million. That is a shame. And, you know, it's interesting because your average, again, I keep saying average, I'm going for the mean when we're looking at these statistics. I want to say, and Maria, maybe you already said this, was that just a few percent of women generate revenues over a million dollars. In this day and age, when you look at costs, and your margins have to be pretty high to support uh, the kind of business that allows you to get away from the business. Frankly, I'll actually challenge every woman listening today and men that if you have a business where you can't step away and other people can run it, you don't have a business, you've worked yourself into a job. Yeah. And so the, the idea then becomes can they vision themselves without them having a day-to-day that they can actually envision themselves as the leader of the business, and that is, in fact, enough value that is enough for them to create an outrageously successful company. And somebody needs to lead the firm. Being a leader and being an operator is a very difficult place to be. 
And you typically, if you see really successful companies, small businesses, and companies that are not successful, your leaders tend to be uh, too operationally focused and not spending enough time on leadership. And by the way, I've got that T-shirt too. So I did that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Wish I hadn't done that as much. But if you really look at the statistics and who's outrageously successful, that's the case. And then finally... The very successful companies that you'll see, very often the owners, again, not all, but the owners will start a business saying, what's my exit strategy? When I talk to really successful entrepreneurs who are sort of serial entrepreneurs where they've started and sold multiple companies successfully, before they ever get into the business, they have an exit strategy. They have an exit strategy. This changes the kinds of decision-making that you make on a day-to-day where you're not focusing so much on lifestyle. You're reminded that this isn't your baby and that it really is one of many creative expressions of who you can be. And this is merely one iteration. And the world is littered with people who didn't sell their businesses because they were in love with their businesses and ended up losing literally millions and millions of dollars that they could have had to put towards things they were passionate about to take care of their families because they didn't think ahead and it was really just an emotional reaction versus more of a perhaps a logical reaction. So Right, and they really get helps. tied to that business too, as you said. They can't they can't imagine themselves without that business. It really kind yeah, of becomes, becomes part their of your baby. Identity. Yeah. You know, you talked a lot about the lack of delegation, the lack of being able to let go of their business, leading, not just getting down into the details of the organization. I mean, all these things I think women are very good at micromanaging, and I'm speaking personally here. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, we almost have to go against the grain sometimes. But there's other issues at play, too, and I, I know you talked about being the only woman in the room oftentimes. Um, at some of these events um, or going into a venture capital meeting and you're the only woman in the room, there's really not many mentors. I mean, you talked about a handful of women um, who have, you know, created million-plus businesses. I mean, what what are we going to do to change kind of that lack of, of mentorship? I mean, you clearly are out there as a mentor today. I assume that that's part of your mission and vision. Absolutely. I I, I personally think that... It's really a psychological issue. <laughs> this is really around the belief that women can and want to be leaders and don't try and do everything. I mean, you know, let's look at corporate America as a, as a bellwether because there's a lot of research around that area. If you look at women who've made a decision in traditional relationships to seed child raising to their spouse uh, as the primary caretaker of the kids, that their salaries typically triple within three to five years. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Now, if female entrepreneurs can take a page from that playbook and remember that, you know, if the kid's hair isn't brushed just right, decide, you know, worrying about what the other parents at school think about you is taking you off your core mission, and they're sure not paying your mortgage. I think sometimes we worry about things that aren't mission critical to our family and our business, and we're worrying sometimes about the wrong things. And so I, I really like to remind women, even in, especially in corporate America, you know, you'll see a lot of women not necessarily wanting to take a promotion, for instance, because 
because they're going to lose their friendships or their relationships at work or they're going to be afraid that somebody's going to be talking about them behind their back. Well, my news is they're already talking about you behind your back and they're not paying your mortgage. <laughs> exactly. And, and the same is, is around building a business and, and, and bringing in really great leaders and not worrying about... Um, you know, you, if you have a good lawyer, you're not going to necessarily lose control over your business. And understanding exactly what the facts are versus what your fears are can be very, very powerful. And, you know, to just acknowledge them and to try and find a way to work with them as opposed to having them control us. Because I, I really, there is no reason in the world for women not to grow their businesses. And, and what is very frustrating for me around this, too, is that your average, you know, 50% of, of it, just look at divorce. 50% of marriages end in divorce right now. That is a fact. Not to be depressing, but many women end up impoverished as a result of that situation. And so it, it, the, the small business is one of the most powerful things a woman can do to secure uh, uh, wealth-building opportunities for themselves and their families. And sometimes I think women forget that there's a bigger picture opportunity here, which is it's not just about them. It's also about the community. It's also about their kids and leaving a legacy. And the things that you can do when you have a really profitable business is are extraordinary and very exciting. But your average woman business owner is so busy with the day-to-day operations and being victimized by the day-to-day operations Oh, I'm working so hard. I hear it all the time. As opposed to getting really smart and strategic about who do you need to bring on that absolutely does not, um, uh, is someone who can really help you lead your company so that, or, or operate your company so that you can lead your company. Mm-hmm. That's when companies grow. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to take a quick break, Jimbia, but when we come back, I do want to talk to you about the differences between building a business from the ground up and stepping into a business as the leader of that organization. Mm-hmm. Because sure. um, you, you, there are definitely clearly differences, and I would love to get your take on that. So more from Jinvia Boss when we return in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Her strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR Web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to PRWebOffer.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online news release and content distribution service. Revenues can come from many different sources. Are you capturing additional revenue from your payment processor or leaving money on the table? Lytle & Company can help you grow your top-line revenue. Lytle & Company provides payment processing and consultative merchant services for multi-channel retailers, along with Internet and direct response businesses who sell directly to consumers. Lower the total cost of payment acceptance while improving your business processes and chargeback management with Lytle & Company's innovative reporting and analytics features. Lytle & 
phone company. The card's not present, but we are. Find out more at Lytle. L-I-T-L-E dot com. Charles, come on up and tell us about the great ROI we're getting from RevenueWire. Thank you. Since I signed up with RevenueWire, conversions have increased dramatically. RevenueWire has an integrated shopping cart called SafeCart that offers highly accurate sales tracking, boosting our conversions through the roof. And now that they've added multiple international currencies to SafeCart, we're looking forward to seeing significant increases in our overseas sales of PC utility software from LavaSoft, PC Tools, ParadaLogic, and AvonQuest. With up to 75% commission, real-time sales tracking, free in-depth sales analytics and reporting tools, campaign optimization resources, and now weekly payments for top-performing affiliates, our sales are climbing higher and higher, thanks to RevenueWire. Find out more at RevenueWire.com. Press this, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. I'm joined today by Genevieve Boss, entrepreneur, co-founder of Pink Magazine, and principal of Trade Wind Partners, a consultancy firm, and, of course, an in-demand speaker. And, uh, Genevieve, we've been talking a lot this morning about uh, female-owned businesses and some of the challenges facing women as they build their business. Um, and in some, in some cases, we can't really get out of our own way, and we don't see the bigger picture. We just get really drawn into the very minute operational factors of having our businesses, but we've talked before, and and what came up I thought was interesting in that conversation was that there really is a huge, huge difference in building a business from the ground up and stepping into a business as the CEO. Can you talk a little bit about those those big differences and kind of maybe the, the skill sets needed? Sure. Well, clearly we all know that, you know, walking into a business that already exists uh, just, you know, intuitively, um, it's, it's so different. But certainly uh, the skills you need, depending on how large that company is um, and, and what sector it serves and so forth and so on, you're going to have to have you know, the necessary skills to take over. But, you know, also what's surprising is how many um, uh, female executives I know who really could go in and take over a company don't necessarily because they have this belief that because they've never run a small business before, even though they've run maybe a $250 million or $20 million or even a $5 million division of a larger organization, how many of those skills wouldn't translate, and that's just simply not true. I believe, on one hand, leading is you know, coming in as a leader is, is one thing, and of course, it very much depends on how the company is financed and what the cash flow situation is and what a leader is walking into versus, um, and, and restructuring, for instance, if that's what's necessary, versus starting a company from scratch. It's like night and day. And very, much, very often I see poor, um, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Well, when I see a lot of corporate people trying to start a small business, they really have no clue. They're usually a lot better coming in as a C-level or a senior executive in a, in a smaller already existing business because the necessary skills you need doing a launch is, is really being good at both um, um, operational requirements for your industry, understanding your customer, and really being focused on top line. 
And it's interesting. I've had lots of talks lately with very successful business owners, and one thing that we all agree on over and over again is the main reason um, small businesses fail is lack of focus on top-line revenue, meaning sales, 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 meaning getting customers and then keeping customers and understanding the cost of actually acquiring a customer and reselling to an existing customer and not having a full, really deep understanding of that process. And then, of course, on the back end, cash flow management, critical. And then finally, coming up with creative deals. I mean, I can see so often there are, I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as a a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as a a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as a a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as a a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor. And one of the things that it always strikes me 
is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as as a a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as a a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as a a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as a a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. So we actually, we thought we were going to have to put a good bit of cash in, but we ended up not having to put half, not even a third of what we thought, because we gave these 2 and 3% early pay discounts. Now, had we taken our own money out of the markets, we would have been losing, you know, 6 to 10%. So it was more than worth it. So if you think about your cost of money these days, if you're going to go out and get a loan or a loan against your house, it's going to be, if you're starting from scratch, you're, you're, it, it behooves you to give a 6 to 8% discount or whatever the market rate is for a loan, right, that you would be getting or that you would have to pay friends and family or whatever to get your money in early. If, if the clients know you, they trust you, or they like the concept. Also, what about going into business with a big client? Having a key business partner that you can work with to leverage their cash flow and their strength in the market and their brand, there's a ton of value to that. Uh, as long as you can sell to other competitors or it can be a strategic alliance, that sort of thing. So it's amazing. I, I will actually say out of 100 business plans that I see, I'd say almost 50% of them say that they're going to go out and raise money, and meanwhile, they don't have to if they would think creatively about a partnership, and very often they could keep 100% or 90% of their business doing it that way. And not be out of pocket much cash. It's just, this is about, this gets back to thinking creatively. I mean, honestly... My husband has a great, he, has, he owns the website, he needs to do something with it, called Asking is Free. And I am shocked at how many people, men and women alike, just simply don't ask. Mm-hmm. And they don't take the risk. Just because you wouldn't do a deal doesn't mean that your prospect might not do the deal. I would right. have never paid me up front, you know, <laughs> when we started paying, not in a million years. But we had yep, some companies that you did. You had some people do that. We hadn't asked. It would not have happened. Yep. So that's the other piece. You know what they say about assuming. I won't go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But we all get right. the point. I mean, for sure. If you don't ask, you're not, gonna, you're not even going to have a chance to succeed. And I would imagine, too, that that's a lot of what you talk about at EO, um, Entrepreneurs Organization. There's one right there in Atlanta. I believe you're on the, on the board there. And you've got over 100 members. Can you talk a little bit about EO? And I think that there's also very, not very many women involved in that organization either, if I recall. No. Oh, it's it's frustrating, um, but it's also a great opportunity. Uh, EONetwork.org, if anybody wants to check it out, anyone with a million or more in revenue can uh, uh, apply, and uh, you just need to interview with a few people on the board and then be put forward. They also have an accelerator program for companies a quarter of a million and above to help you get to a million or more. I cannot tell you how fantastic it is. We've got an accelerator group mostly filled with women, interestingly. 
And yet, EO, as a million or more in revenue we've got, I want to say it's about 125 members in Atlanta, and five of us are women. This is, it's frustrating because, you know, most of EO um, uh, membership comes from referrals. So I guess you could say it sort of makes sense that we've only got five women. But the other issue is there are two mandatory um, um, retreats where you actually have to spend the night, you do all kinds of work, and not everybody, at least females, don't necessarily always have the kind of, let's say, solid relationship that it takes or open-minded relationship that it takes to to, um, make room for something like that, also with kids and everything else. But the ones that do, it's invaluable. It's all about peer-to-peer learning. And a group of very successful entrepreneurs, including Vern Harnish, who wrote the book Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, came up with the concept. The group is associated with Young Presidents Organization and World Presidents Organization, um, the most, um, I'll say, the, for lack of a better word, elite, amazing groups of executives on a global scale, and EO is all over the world, and what's really neat is if you're, let's say you've got an import-export business and you want to have contacts in India or, you know, anywhere in Asia, EO has offices almost everywhere, not offices, but organizations and members all over the world, and it's shocking how incredible, I mean, I just put out an email recently um, asking for support on something, and I got probably 20 responses from all over the world. Wow. So you can't you can't buy that. Um, it's pretty extraordinary. We meet on a monthly, ba- uh, really ten times a year. We have almost twenty learning events a year. Many um, are flown in. We with our dues, we we pay for that from all over the world. Some of the best business leaders, and they give us their insights and the tips. But I, most people in EO will tell you that the the value is the peer to peer learning, where you meet about half a day. Um, most forums will meet at different people's offices or at a neutral location and confidentially, in complete confidence, uh, go over everything from their numbers to what they're going through personally and professionally, and they're able to get uh, support in a non-competitive environment. Of course, you never have competitors in your forum uh, to get feedback on your business, and it is so extraordinarily powerful. And by the way, if you break confidence, you are out of the organization. And you have to be voted in by 100% of the people in order wow. to get back in in your forum. So they take confidence very seriously. In fact, it's discussed at the beginning of every meeting. So it's a great opportunity, back to that personal board of directors we were talking about earlier, a yes. huge opportunity to uh, network and learn from the most successful entrepreneurs in your community. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Well, and for those listening today, um, you know, they they certainly can check out to see if there is an organization in their area. And you said it was um, EO Network. Every major city, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And and if if you can apply and ask for information on eonetwork.org. Got got it. Perfect. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but gosh, uh, Genevieve, you've provided so many great insights, lots of wonderful learning from your own successes and also some organizations out there that can help um, entrepreneurs as they try to feel their way in the world, and especially women with all the um, the challenges, some of which we create ourselves in trying to um, really grow very profitable and, and saleable businesses. So thank you again for being on the show today. Well, it's a thrill, and thank you so very much.
You bet. And for everyone out there who wants to learn more about Genevieve, check out her website, GenevieveBoss.com. And you can also follow her on Twitter at GenevieveBoss. And thanks to George for another great show, my great producer. And join me next week for another edition of Purse Strings. I'll be speaking with Tracy Chapman, who's the co-author of a new book, What She's Not Telling You, Why Women Hide the Whole Truth and What Marketers Can Do About It. Tracy and her partner in the consultancy, Just Ask a Woman, Jen Drexler pinned the book with CEO Mary Lou Quinlan. And Tracy will be talking about the differences between women's half-truths, which is what they admit, and whole-truths, which is what we believe, and how that impacts what we do and what we buy. That's next Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern. Until then, make it a great one. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow. I listen to so many business plans uh, on a regular basis as, as, a, as a, a mentor, and one of the things that it always strikes me is how little creativity is being used on how to generate cash flow.